0: the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane!
1: It's Matt Spectro, through the multiverse! Hello everyone, and thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of matt spectro through the multiverse as always i am your host matt spectro lifetime comic fan lifetime superhero fan lifetime animation fan and you have reached the podcast that talks comic books and talks animation thanks for joining us welcome to episode 113 i'm going to briefly explain the rules of our podcast and we're going to get right into the show and our guest Rule number one, like I just said, comic books, animation. Nothing more needs to be said there. Rule number two, I'm a huge fan of the old Team Up comic books. Marvel Team Up DC Comics presents, so this is a Team Up podcast. Every week, a guest joins me, I team up with them, and we talk. Comic book animation and rule number three, and most important, we gotta have fun. Like I said, thanks for joining us for episode 113. I'm going to bring my guest out right now. Welcome to the Multiverse. First time guest he is from the Cartoon Commotion Show. Welcome to the Multiverse, Cade.
0: Hiya. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Matt. This is ultra rad of you.
1: No, I appreciate you joining us. We've been uh, going back and forth for... Quite a while trying to make this happen, and I'm so happy that we're finally doing it.
0: Yeah, it, it's been a little work in progress, but here we are.
1: <laughs> now, I got to say, you're actually uh, a first for me because uh, I've had many guests, but uh, you're the first guest I've ever had who also does a show about animation.
0: Oh, well, that's awesome. I am a cartoon weirdo, Cade, and of course, I am usually joined by my co-host and ultra talented banjo playing pig, Jiggy. <laughs> That's him. Uh, together we rewind to the tunes of the 80s and 90s for a new perspective in your life nowadays. And uh, you can join us as we rewind, relive, and reflect on the cartoons of the greatest decades in TV history. In our opinion. <laughs> and, uh, like, seriously, yeah, again, thank you so much for having me on, Matt. I I know it's, it's been a little bit crazy trying to work around my seriously booked schedule of content, <laughs> but I'm totally stoked to get chatting about Plastic Man and his cartoons, so let's do it.
1: <laughs> now, I gotta ask, uh, you're not as much of a comic guy as more just an animation guy, correct?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean I dig into cartoons, but I do have a lot of comics, and I try to read all of them, but as you know that can be that can be challenging. They pile up Stacks of unread issues. I I actually do have quite a few of the the brand new TMNT Saturday Morning Adventure series. I don't know if you you knew about that
1: one. I knew it existed. I haven't read it.
0: There's a trade collection for the first set, but they actually went to a full series now. Nice. And I'll be completely honest, I'm still working to try to read those sometime. (laughs) I've got a lot on my schedule. And that's the thing. It's like what, what we do... What I what I try to do is I take two weeks to literally dig into the episodes I'm talking about. So that way when I come with my show, I'm giving you an actual in-person experience. I'm not doing I'm not I'm not doing it to where I just reading Wikipedia or IMDB verbatim.
1: So we went back and forth on what to talk about. Um and you were uh you were kinda I wouldn't say adamant, but you you wanted to talk something I had never talked before on the show and believe it or not 113 episodes this will be the first time i ever talked about plastic man
0: really yeah
1: he's come up briefly but never a full episode about him
0: well the thing is i just wanted to look into something that i wasn't already i wasn't already covering per se and plastic man comes at the very edge of the 80s but it was 79 to 81
1: all right so before we get into it every week we uh kick off Hitting our guests with a little trivia. uh, You're ready for some trivia about Plastic Man.
0: Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Shoot. Fire away. Let's see what I got.
1: (laughs) Now, the the guest track record, up and down. I've had some people who do great, others that not so much. So, uh, we'll see what you can do. I think you're going to get this one, though. So, here is our question. Plastic Man was voiced by legendary especially 70s the 90s voice actor Michael Bell, name one or both of the two Smurfs that he provided the voice for.
0: Oh, goodness. Um, was he Papa Smurf? Uh. <laughs>
1: that, Papa Smurf was actually the legendary Don Messick. The Don voices. Messick. Oh, dude.
0: <laughs> I know that voice. I know that voice well. Right, the original you Scooby-Doo
1: guess with a hint that these two are not, they're probably lesser known Smurfs compared to, they're not A-list Smurfs, you know?
0: Okay. Um, mm, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> I'm not gonna get, I don't know the Smurfs that well.
1: All right. Uh, um, all right. Well, Michael Bell voiced both Handy Smurf and Lazy Smurf.
0: Okay. <laughs> honestly, I Honestly, I, I don't know the Smurfs that well. I wasn't a big Smurfs guy, but I, I'm definitely planning on revisiting that. So,
1: All right. We're going to talk Plastic Man. Before we get in the cartoon, we're going to talk a little bit of the history. I don't know if people know this. Plastic Man made his debut all the way back in 1941 in Police Comics number one. He's actually considered the first stretchable superhero in the history of comic books, predating wow. Uh, Mr. Fantastic.
0: That's that's awesome. I did not know that. I I knew that he wasn't originally in DC. Like, wasn't that something that they they purchased? Yes, uh,
1: Quality Comics DC purchased, I believe, in 1956 after they shut down DC. Uh, Promise them. I mean, fun fact: I, I believe the character Elongated Man uh, was created because DC forgot they owned Plastic Man.
0: <laughs> okay, that's interesting too. <laughs> Do you just forget you have a character? Hey, we we have so many characters to choose from, so I guess that that would make sense. Eventually, they would forget they already had one.
1: Now, he was created by the late Jack Cole, and uh, he was in Police Comics. Originally, Quality Comics wanted Jack Cole to create a character similar to The Spirit. I'm not sure if you're familiar with The Spirit or not.
0: Just enough to know what other characters draw inspiration from The Spirit.
1: Obviously, Plastic Man ended up being absolutely nothing like the spirit. Uh, Jack Cole went a different direction. Original name was going to be the Indian Rubber Man. The
0: Indian Rubber? Wow. <laughs> That's so very different.
1: Is a terrible name for a superhero.
0: I don't think it's as catchy. Definitely not.
1: <laughs> he is actually credited, and some dispute this. So don't. Don't fact check me, but he's credited as being the first superhero ever that took a more goofy, uh, comical approach than all the other characters. He's credited as the first one.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, I can respect that because I think that makes a lot of sense. There weren't a lot of superheroes that were very comedic then. What was that, 40s? Yeah,
1: 1941 he made his debut.
0: Yeah. So like, I mean, that would be a new concept at least. Most of the characters that were superheroes were not in a sort of comedic fashion. They were all just well, they were more like they were, they were more like the uh, the spirit.
1: <laughs> and to back up the uh, elongated man uh, urban legends, so we say, uh, it really was almost 10 years after they bought quality comics before d c really used Plastic Man. so there, there really is a lot of credence to the theory they forgot they owned.
0: Yeah I mean it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, and that would, be, that would make even more sense as to why he was like slowly brought into the mainstream DC comics.
1: And uh, yeah, Quality Comics produced him. They went out of business in the 50s. Jack Cole, the creator, actually went on to be uh, one of the lead and original cartoonists for the Playboy magazine, if uh, you remember those old cartoons. Might be before your time, though.
0: I, I, don't, think I, I don't think I read those. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, a weird, bizarre fact, and uh, the only downer I'm going to uh, bring up is uh, Jack Cole ended up committing suicide in the late 60s, and to this day, I wouldn't call it unsolved, but uh, there, it's one of the most baffling suicides where there's not, no one can really determine what was going on with him, like they don't, they don't know uh, if he was massively depressed, if he had a drug problem. Like they don't. There's been many rumors. Nobody knows the exact reason he ended up committing suicide. Because he was very successful. Like his, he was still working for Playboy. So it's a shame because he never got to see how popular his character would become.
0: That is a shame. Plastic Man definitely did have a life long outliving the original comics and. His presence is, is felt throughout the DC Universe, uh, eventually in Batman the Brave and the Bold, which I thought was a fantastic, bringing him up into an experience that kids could have more today, because it, it touched on like all of those roots, and then it just sprinkled in a little bit more of the DC Universe.
1: Absolutely uh, love Brave and the Bold. It's my all-time favorite Batman cartoon.
0: Oh, Really? Even more than Batman the Animated Series?
1: People always say that, but I actually like it better than Batman the Animated Series.
0: Well, you know what? I respect that because there are different reasons to like cartoons. Like, I think people often hear like, oh, this is my all-time favorite. And they're like, how could that possibly be? That's impossible. (laughs) You couldn't possibly like that more than my favorite cartoon. But see, the thing is, you're drawn to different things for different reasons. So, like, if you totally dug Brave and the Bold more than Batman the Animated Series, I believe the reason is because you're more drawn to classic representations of superheroes that have comedic vibes and completely original takes because that's what Brave and the Bold was. I mean, Batman the Animated Series took all the inspiration from Batman of the comics and Batman of Michael Keaton in the 80s and 89, uh, 90s. And it made it into an adaptation that was good for kids, adults alike. It just kind of perfected those, in, like all that input. It just perfected it. But it's a completely different vibe than Brave and the Bold, which took inspiration from classic superheroes, pulled it into this generation, and added little dashes of comedy.
1: I also love it just because they highlight so many DC characters that. Otherwise, you probably would never see an animation.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said about Plastic Man and introducing him to the wider realm of DC comics. Like, Ambush Bug was in the last episode. (laughs) (laughs) And, and like, nobody knows Ambush Bug, right? I mean, hardly anyone. So, it definitely reached out and pulled from all these different characters that you don't normally see.
1: Now, Plastic Man made his animation debut in 1973. He appeared in an episode of The Super Friends called Professor Goodfellows, which to my knowledge is the only episode he showed up in. Okay. Now, it is such a bizarre thing is because there's a mouse stuck in the Hall of Justice computer. (laughs) Nobody can get to it and they don't want to hurt the mouse. So they call in Plastic Man, to stretch his finger in and (laughs) get the mouse out without hurting it.
0: And now I want to rewatch it just to see them struggle trying to save a mouse without hurting it from the computer. (laughs)
1: Now, we're going to be talking the- Wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Was that the first ever computer mouse?
1: (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're going to talk the Plastic Man Comedy Adventure Show. We were talking before recording. You took a lot more notes than I did. I can't find anywhere. How on earth (laughs) Plastic Man, of all DC characters, got his own cartoon in the 70s?
0: Okay, so I think the reason was that they were trying to compete. And Plastic Man was a good, like, in, because it was a comedic thing, and they were competing against action. So, Ruby Spears produced this. It had a total of five seasons, and it was made to compete with Tarzan and the Super Seven, which was the biggest hit in 1976. At the end of the Plastic Man intro, he actually shouts out, Hey, Ape Man, eat your heart out! Which was actually calling out ah. to that competition Tarzan because because they their show was now on the scene. It, you know, and I was made aware of that that neat bit of trivia from my friend and Saturday morning cartoon historian Mark McCrae. We had a whole conversation and he just he highlighted that aspect of it and I was like, I you know, you wouldn't think of that. You wouldn't think of that just like if you look up stuff on on Plastic Man, that's sort of something that you you either have to be in the moment, like very uh, intentionally paying attention to the competition out there, or you just got to know your stuff. You got to know the right people. And in my case here, I knew the right people because Mark McCray, he he's a vault of Saturday morning cartoon information. and And this was mentioned in a passing previous conversation. I didn't even get this information for this interview. He actually told this to me just as we were talking about cartoons on Saturday morning. He, he could take the conversation anywhere and still get you some crazy bit of trivia that you never ever thought of in your whole life.
1: <laughs> sounds like a gentleman I got to get on my show sometime.
0: Definitely. Definitely. We had a conversation about X-Men, the animated series. And while he wasn't involved in the making of that show, we were talking about uh, how X-Men defied all expectations. And there's an episode on my show about that. So if you want to go and check that out, but you know, just a little plug there. But the point is (laughs) that this show was made to compete with that show. It was made to compete with Tarzan and the super seven. And that show was all action. It had like a bunch of action cartoons just wrapped up into one. I didn't dig into that for this conversation. So I can't highlight what that had in comparison, but I can tell you that this show was like, it's an hour long montage of comedic cartoons and plastic man was the highlight
1: see that makes so much sense i was watching that and i was like why the hell is there a tarzan reference in the opening credits <laughs> now i know
0: <laughs> and i think one of the shows in this lineup was mighty man and yuck yep yuck was like he had a big old dog house on his head because he Cause he's a giant dog, <laughs> and Mighty Man, in order to have super strength and superpowers, he had to shrink down to the size of like I don't know, uh, it wasn't Adam Ant size, but it was more like Mighty Mouse size, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's Mighty so Man and weird. Yuck, the bizarre, ugliest dog.
0: Yeah, and every time he lifted up his doghouse, he like people would like freak, like almost have a heart attack. So that's why he had to keep the doghouse on his head all the time.
1: Yeah, also. Um... <laughs> Fang Face and Fang Puss were a part of this. And uh, Ricky Rocket.
0: I think that was Rickety.
1: Oh, wait, you're right. Huh. I, I can't even read my own handwriting. You're right, it was Rickety Rock.
0: Right? It's all right. That show, I think, oh man, I think that got canceled because it was just
1: bad. <laughs> all I remember was, didn't they make him from a junkyard, if I remember? He was like a flying car that they made from junkyard parts, if I, if I, I haven't seen that cartoon in years. So.
0: Something like that, but the whole idea was sort of like Fat Albert meets Scooby Doo, kind of like that's what they were kind of going for. And the writing was just not good. <laughs> it was just not good. I mean, I might eventually cover it on my show, but it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be a very fun experience. <laughs> I'll put it that way.
1: So, uh, like you'd already mentioned, yeah, Plastic Man ran from 1978 to 1981 on ABC. Uh, Ruby Spears was the production company. They also had this weird thing where they did not every episode, but they had live action segments, uh, with a plastic man introing some of the cartoons who was played by a Taylor Marks. 70s cartoons had this weird thing with incorporating. They even went into the eighties, live action segments into their cartoons. and I never quite understood it.
0: Well, I know for, um, Mr. T's cartoon, Mr. T did an opening segment and, um, Eventually that was also done in Chuck Norris's cartoon. Uh, um, <laughs> different story entirely. But Mr. T, it was kind of like the PSAs, you know. They really wanted you to connect with a real person. and I think that's what a lot of people on YouTube do is that they provide you a, a real person to connect with. It, it makes sense because like in an audio in audio, it's good. It's great. I mean, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. But when you have to sit down and d- and intently listen and pay attention to a person in front of you, which is you know it's challenging these days with all the distractions, <laughs> but but when you had someone on TV who you got to know, whether it be a character or a person who was had a lot of character like Mr. T, when you had that person, you you could easily connect with them.
1: Now uh, I, I'm from the notes I've seen this this apparently is production was initially very rushed comic writer and also cartoon writer Mark Evanier had worked on it. And he said that, uh, he wrote the first episode only six weeks before it actually aired.
0: Oh, wow. Well, that explains why they borrowed so heavily from other backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it totally borrows visuals from Ruby Spears productions and you know, in general, but they, you know, they all do. They all do a little bit. I, I actually really liked their use of angles and perspectives. The art design was pretty solid throughout. It, it was distinct, I think, enough from other Ruby Spears productions to have its own identity. But knowing this information, like I didn't know that going into it. so that's interesting, that it was it was rushed. and so that would mean that like a lot of the angles and perspectives they were using might have been reused, too) <laughs>
1: I mean, I noticed a little as a kid, but since I started doing the show, I've really noticed the amount of reused music, reused backgrounds, reused uh, animation cells. These were very, (laughs) these guys had to have been working hard. These seemed like they were under a lot of pressure to get these cranked out fairly fast.
0: Well, I do know a lot about the history of Hanna-Barbera because I actually do have Bill Hanna's book and I do have Joe Barbera's book, but I finished Bill Hanna's, so. One thing in particular, I think, if I can remember off the top of my head, is that production for like theaters at the time. I'm gonna paraphrase here, so I might get the information a little wrong. Go ahead, do your digging, people. Do your digging. <laughs> um, it was like three hundred thousand, I want to say, for production in theater, like cost-wise, what they had to work with, budget. And, okay, that actually might have been thirty thousand. So get get the facts right. I'm not I'm not reading this. <laughs> I'm just remembering it and then I'm pretty sure this is spot on 3,000 for TV. So go from like 30,000 or so for theater to 3,000 for TV. That's all they had per episode.
1: Even back then, that doesn't seem like very much money.
0: It's not. So they, they actually invented the concept of reusing visuals because of how challenging it was to provide all the necessary components they would they would have close-up shots where you would see um i believe it was like huckleberry hound going to the closet instead of like seeing him walk into the closet and pull something out the next scene he'd just walk in with a different outfit on because why show that at all when it didn't need to be shown they would cut things out to get to the point so that way they wouldn't have to pay for more animation just unnecessary amounts of it you know TV had to make a lot of necessary cuts. And like it or not, Hanna-Barbera, they paved the way for Saturday morning cartoons. They paved the way for cartoons on television in general. We wouldn't have any of the shows from the 80s and 90s without Hanna-Barbera first getting in the door and making TV animation possible, really. I mean, they weren't the first ones to ever put a cartoon on TV. Let me be clear. But they were the ones who kind of basically pioneered the way that TV cartoons are made.
1: Well, um, earlier this year I did a Godzilla episode and straight up music from the super friends on the episode. Like they don't even, (laughs) there isn't even like a note change or anything.
0: Yeah. They would reuse music too, but I, I'm still stuck on like the perspective shots because I think it was like episode two or three with the, which one had the clam? I think that was two,
1: yeah, I believe that was episode two.
0: There's this overhead shot of like when they're having a meeting, and I was just like, man, I really dig this perspective shot. i I really pay attention to those things because like it shows that they care enough to like give you a different take on the world you're looking at. It's not just flat.
1: I don't I, I can't figure out if it's my age, why I think cartoons from this era are so much better, or if it's the fact that cartoons weren't so accessible so they focused all their energy on these Saturday morning cartoons.
0: I gotta correct myself, that wasn't episode two. Episode two was Dr. Irwin and Mr. Meteor. All right. I think episode three was The Clam.
1: But I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's because cartoons were so limited of when they aired that these, to me, come off so much better, or do you think it's just my... uh, it's an error I grew up with, so I automatically think my error was better.
0: Cartoons definitely had a lot more heart back then. And I think that's the reason. Because, like I said, you can love cartoons for different reasons. There's, It's not a one-size-fits-all shoe. Everything has its own flavor. So, like, I love a lot of classic cartoons. Um, I like a lot of 80s and 90s cartoons, even, sprinkled, you know, In between with cheese, I love the cheese. I love it when things get cheesy. And I mean, Plastic Man, very cheesy, but fun because of how cheesy it was. And like, I wouldn't want it to be made today in the sense like it has to compete with everything else going on. I like the fact that it was cheesy and weird and it had its own like novelty style. I enjoy it for what it was. I don't want it to be something else. So I, I honestly believe 80s, 90s, yes, even 70s and, and 60s had cartoons that were way better than what we get today.
1: What, uh, well, this is good. Anyone out there listening, go to either myself or uh, Cade's uh, social media and let us know what you think on that particular subject. So uh, we're going to go over the cast Plastic Man. He's voiced, like we said earlier, by Michael Bell. Who, if you know anything about cartoons, 70s, 90s, he's a legend in the voice acting field. The, the voice of uh, Duke and Blowtorch from G.I. Joe. Uh, he's the voice of uh, Drew Pickles on Rugrats. Bruce Banner on the uh, early 80s Hulk cartoon. Uh, he was also uh, Lex Luthor in the 1988 Ruby Spears Superman cartoon, as well as he's done so much more.
0: Definitely impressive with the range. I did not going into the show and rewatching the those first few episodes. I did not hear Michael Bell in Plastic Man. And now I'm going to like listen and like try to hear his, you know, his distinct voice because you can definitely hear it in Duke and you can hear it in Lex Luthor, but he did an amazing job pitch shifting for Plastic Man cuz he does not sound like his normal voice at all. And, uh, it's, it's impressive I think
1: the last voice acting credit I could find apparently he was quackerjack on a DuckTales the new DuckTales back in 2020 is the most recent voice acting credit I could find alright now uh, we have Penny who was an invention of the cartoon not from the comic books she's voiced by Melendi Britt who also does the voice of the other female character the chief um, now she's done a lot of voice acting she was uh, Princess Aura On the Flash Gordon filmation cartoon. She was a Batgirl on uh, the filmation Batman cartoon from the 70s as well. Wow. She's done some voice acting.
0: That is impressive. I mean, I definitely heard two distinct voices when she did Penny and the Chief.
1: So that's some good
0: range there, right there.
1: And finally, we have the sidekick, which uh, at the time as a kid bothered me because in the comic books, Woozy Winks was always. Plastic Man's sidekick. But here he's <laughs> replaced with... Was it Bad Luck Hula? Is that his name? Bad Luck Hula Hula.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um I think that they were trying to just put a little bit more variety into Saturday morning by giving you another ethnicity, another background. You're probably right. It was also kind of stereotypical. <laughs> like... um <laughs> I'm surprised there weren't more Hawaiians that find this a a little... Maybe they were just like... Maybe they just dug it. Maybe they dug it. Maybe it wasn't offensive to them because it was just fun to see a Hawaiian character finally in in TV that was doing something fun. I don't know. (laughs) But he would say things like, Suffering Pineapple's Plas! And all, all kinds of things that were just... Um, I think he uses pineapples quite often. There was one thing where he said, We're gonna make crush like a million pineapples. <laughs> um, suffering surfboards and all kinds of things. He's known for having the worst luck of any human being ever.
1: <laughs> I, I know by today's standards, characters like this would probably get criticized a lot more, but they were really they were trying their best in the 70s to mix things up a little bit. I think they were just They were just going bare bones, getting different ethnicities in there. Their heart's in the right place, even if sometimes it was a bit lazy. Now, uh, his voice is provided by the late Joe Baker, who was actually The Thing on Fred and Barney Meet The Thing. I don't know if you've ever seen that cartoon.
0: I I have a little, and it it confused me back then just as much as it does now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He was also the voice of Larry... On the cartoon that's a little obscure is the Bionic Stooges.
0: Yeah, that was, that was the attempt to bring the Stooges back uh, for, for that generation and make them... Like, I think it was actually their second cartoon, because they did have a cartoon.
1: Yeah, I believe you are correct. And I think they showed up on... Uh, I can't remember what Scooby-Doo cartoon it was, where they always had guest stars.
0: Uh, I think that was um, the new Scooby-Doo movies. New Scooby-Doo movies was like where they did a lot of the guest stars going on. They would have guest appearances like Don Knotts. And that's, that's kind of where Scooby got the reputation of having crossovers. Have you done a, like a Scooby-Doo crossover episode yet?
1: Yeah, I did the one when they teamed up with Batman.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I think I remember you telling me about that. But I was just <laughs> thinking you could do an entire episode just of the variety of crossovers <laughs> they've had. Because
1: they've, uh, they did one back then. I think they did one fairly recently as well so we are going to go back to december 15th 1979 we're going to watch the episode the terrible five plus one i'm excited (laughs) Now, a lot of times i would do the first episode of cartoon but this episode always stuck out in my head because to me i loved when villains teamed up back in the day on cartoons so i remembered this one because i remembered there was like a group of his uh, rogues gallery getting together.
0: Yeah. The terrible five plus one. Technically it wasn't much of a team up episode because, you know, one would think one would totally think it was a team up because, you know, it says the terrible five (laughs) plus one. That sounds like a team, but it didn't really do that. It introduced us to a brand new villain, Solex and Solex frees five other supervillains. The dubbed terrible five. (laughs) From a max security, well, multiple max security prisons with great ease because he has this solar powered ray gun and he's practically unstoppable. Plastic Man could just be melted into a puddle with that thing. The dudes that he set free, he then took to a secret location where, and those were the weed, half ape, computer head, disco mummy, and the clam. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're going to get into a lot more detail uh, later on on all those villains. Uh, uh, I guess th-
0: they wanted all of the original villains in the show because this was a comedy series, like I said earlier. And I don't think any one of those guys are actual DC Comics villains at all. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think so.
1: No, they are not. They, I believe there are two villains that appear, which I apologize, I don't know which ones, that actually they were from a comic book. These five are not <laughs> are not one of them. So this episode is directed by a Rudy Laravoy, Manuel Perez, and Charles Nichols. I couldn't find a direct story credit because it seems like apparently Ruby Spears and Hanna-Barbera had like writer's room where they credited almost the entire writer's room because every time I try and find a writer, they're always giving me like 20 names.
0: Yeah, I don't think that that was kept good track of in the 70s. There There would be... There would be entire episodes that went uncredited for other writers.
1: So, on that note, we're going to take our show break. Kate and myself are going to watch The Terrible Five Plus One. We're going to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Plastic Man here, superhero in my plastic jet I heard you're shopping around for
0: a good TV show You want a fun show, not a dumb show One with thrills and not the senseless violence Then tune in to me, the Plastic Man comedy adventure show We got cartoons, we got adventure, we got crazy friends And me, the world's weirdest superhero
1: Plastic Man, weekdays at 7 and 3 on KTVT Channel 11 If we destroy these controls, Robin, we'll never be able to bring the outside world back to normal. This is the hole he crawled through. And it's ten feet long? I'm afraid so. Well, I know someone who can reach that mouse. Plastic Man. You're right. I'll be back in a flash with Plastic Man. This narrow tube curves this way and that Plastic Man. In and around the machinery. Do you think you could reach the mouse? Well, that's not the problem. I don't want to hurt the mouse. Superman, will you watch with your x-ray vision and tell me when my hand is near it? Watch it, P.M. There's a hot tube up ahead. Oops, you were right, S.M. Easy now. You're in the booster chamber. Move forward slowly, a little to the right. Poor thing's scared. He's in the corner. Aw, I'm gonna keep him as a pet. They're flex, flex, flexible. The Elastic Superhero Collection. Each sold separately. Elastic Plastic Man. You can tie them in a bind and watch as they unwind. Elastic Superman. You can pull them, you can bend them, even have a tug of war. Elastic Batman. No matter how you stretch them, make you coming back for more. Elastic Plastic Man, Elastic Batman, and Elastic Superman. Each sold separately by Mego. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. From under the pages of
0: DC Comics comes the world's newest and greatest superhero, Plastic Man. He can spring. He can stretch. He can fly. He can bounce. He can change his shape. Man will face the world's greatest collection of villains. <laughs> There's action. There's comedy. There's danger. There's penny. There's bad luck. There's plenty for everybody on the Plastic
1: Man Comedy Adventure Show. Eat your heart out, Eight Man! And we are back, and I hope you also just watched Plastic Man, The Terrible Five Plus One. This is actually uh, <laughs> kind of hard to find. Uh, it's not on a lot of streaming services. You can pay for it on Amazon. I think it's on YouTube, and they did release, I believe, the whole series on a on a Blu-ray.
0: They have a DVD box set. I don't know about a Blu-ray, and I do actually have the DVD box set, and that is what I used. (laughs) I used to watch my episode.
1: (laughs) So we get our opening credits, which are pretty awesome. But I uh, was—I don't remember this, but it was kind of neat that it says from the pages of DC Comics. So
0: from the uh, pages of DC (laughs) Comics.
1: So you know, it's actually a smart move to—if anybody's watching this who likes it who doesn't read comics—to know, hey, I can go out and buy a Plastic Man comic
0: that was a great intro cuz it shows people it shows people where you can find the original stories or anything comparable to it and at the time they would have had you know on racks and you know you could have get them like almost anywhere so like anywhere a rack would be kids could just go and pick it up and then that would accompany their saturday morning experience
1: and uh has the great intro of uh which probably my favorite part of the whole episode is you can stretch you can spring he can fly. He can also dance. <laughs> I, I I was always, I was very curious on the edge of my seat if Flashman could dance or not.
0: The, I mean, they tell you. <laughs> and they told you he could dance, so you got to believe him.
1: And it is, I do like the fact that his costume, his look is like directly, like they didn't change anything. It's just the the comic book leapt right onto the screen.
0: That is very true. It's, it's authentically plastic, man.
1: And of course, like you had previously said, we have an opening montage of Solex, freeing, half-ape, the weed, computer head, disco mummy, and my personal favorite of the bunch, the clam.
0: The clam. Can, I mean, would you mind if I tangent on that for a second?
1: Go, anyone, anyone has my full reins to go tangent on the clam anytime they want.
0: He's an actual clam, <laughs> for anyone wondering. <laughs> he's a tiny clam that wears an eye patch and a pirate hat, and you can tell that he's voiced by Don Messick because it's <laughs> it's basically. Oh, I hate to give anyone this visual, but homies, it's like imagine Hampton the Pig from Tiny Toons, but constantly drowning <laughs> and talking through that that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably the most ridiculous baddie of all of them, and that's why he's so much fun to talk about, I think.
1: He's in a aquarium in the prison. Like, how dangerous can this guy be?
0: Yeah, he's kept in water like a clam would be, and uh in his episode, it was um I think it was episode three. It was just called the clam. And he was the leader of Big hulking dudes in a submarine, and they took orders from him like it was normal. They did everything for this clam, like whatever he said they would do. And I just, I was like, he's a clam. <laughs> he's a, he's a clam. There's nothing very uh, like. Maybe these guys were just so dumb that they needed somebody with brains, and that meant even a clam. A clam having more brains than that big hulking dude is just sad. <laughs> um, In the episode, yeah, it was the third episode of the series. Plastic Man defeated him, and he was given a ticket for poaching clams. <laughs> I mean, if that isn't one of the worst supervillain defeats i i mean i i can't name one that's even worse but, but i mean please somebody try to name something to ma- to name a worse defeat of a villain seriously he was given a ticket after saving the entirety of new york from being devastated by a a, a flood he was given a ticket for poaching clams
1: <laughs> i do love when they free uh disco mummy she's actually dancing in prison
0: yeah i remember that
1: we uh flash over to uh penny calls this romantic but it's her plastic pan and hula having a moonlight picnic
0: yeah hula was kind of the third wheel she didn't want around like almost ever but
1: i don't know how romantic (laughs) (laughs) that really is but
0: can we just talk about the fact that he has two sidekicks appointed him by this government institution i guess you could say it is it's like do they ever say who he works for
1: no it's just the chief i don't remember an episode ever saying like it was an organization the cia the police what it was Just he, he answers to the chief
0: i think at one time Uh, DC was going to make it where it was like the FBI hired him or something. But it's clearly an agency, an organization of some sort. And he has appointed two normal (laughs) individuals to assist him in his activities. Penny can fly the plane. So she gets a pass. She can fly the plane. (laughs) But Hula... Hula Hula exists only for the purpose of, like, causing chaos most of the time. The, the, okay, so I can't be too harsh on Hula. He does have one major perk, and that is somehow he knows somebody anywhere they go.
1: That does come up. That is a common theme of the cartoon.
0: <laughs> it's like, oh, hi, Carl. It's been a while since I seen you. And, and Carl would be like... Oh, that weed. He's a bad man.
1: Uh, they intercept Solex, who uses his solar powered gun to actually melt Plastic Man, which uh, I believe gets from Hula, suffering surface. He's a plastic pancake. <laughs>
0: yeah. He had a Hawaiian themed quip for almost every, every occasion.
1: Which, in pure Plastic Man fashion, after Solex escapes, they use ice cubes to freeze him so he can reform his plastic man body again
0: which is just like i mean his two weaknesses fire and ice really and in this case ice is actually a benefit
1: (laughs) now um plastic man puts together that you know it's a solar powered gun and in an amazing coincidence penny had just read about an experimental solar plant
0: See this. This is what I'm talking about with the cheese, like the plot convenience. Very cheesy, but that's that's what's great about it because it's just it's it's heartfelt cheese. It's just we have the solution. Let's go figure it out.
1: <laughs> uh, so they uh, end up going to the villains' headquarters, which they can't agree that they're not going to serve Solek, So they just leave.
0: <laughs> yes, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I meant by like a team up episode. That's not a team up. You would think. You you would have seriously wanted they they would have seriously wanted to team up, like all five of them, and Solex, take on Plastic Man. But really, he just wanted them to serve him and declare himself as their ruler. <laughs> like <laughs> like he's the greatest baddie of all time. He didn't even need their help at all. He didn't nope. he didn't have nothing to prove in the least, because he has a ray gun. That can just incinerate him. But he was so obsessed with glory that he actually let that distract him from doing anything evil on his own. And that when they wouldn't sense. bow to his authority, they just, they dipped out. They started a crime spree all on their own.
1: So they go to the solar plant where uh, they find out that someone's been using their solar satellites, siphoning off them. So they, you know, pretty much put two and two together with Solex. The plastic jet has been sabotaged. They can't get out of there.
0: Oh, darn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which has the most ridiculous scene I've ever seen, (laughs) where Plastic Man just stretches his legs and apparently (laughs) is strong enough to lift the plastic jet and just run with it on top.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that. That was, like, they don't necessarily give you the limitations to Plastic Man's abilities at all. They really don't. Like, sometimes he's not strong enough to do things, and other times, it it really just comes down to plot convenience. What works, what doesn't.
1: (laughs) We get a montage of all the villains trying to commit crimes, but Solex mobilizing them and stealing the fruits of their labor.
0: It's basically like, well, if you don't want to do what I want to do, then you can't do what you want either.
1: So, all all the villains, (laughs) they, they meet at a fish bar where as much as they hate to admit it, they're going to have to turn to Plastic Man for help to defeat Solex.
0: I want to say that that was the Clam's idea, the fish bar.
1: Uh, Well, it was, yeah, it was the fish bar. So it would seem logical, the Clam. (laughs) Now, (laughs) this is uh, the
0: old, the enemy of my enemy is my friend trope, and they agree to turn themselves in if Plastic Man stops Solex.
1: Which uh, I love when he got there, um, they made him wear a blindfold, which he said, and I quote, "That uh, I won't peek. Superheroes are too honest to peek."
0: Like he doesn't know who they are. Like he's been trying to thwart their plans all day, and well, probably all week, actually. At this point,
1: point. <laughs> and um, yeah, they they make a bargain. Like you said, if they, if he helps them, they'll turn themselves in, which they agree. And of course, the minute he leaves the room, they call him a plastic sap and they all laugh that they'll never turn themselves so- Yeah, they were fibbing. <laughs> Which I'm a huge fan of, of bad guys laughing, so it was particularly pleasurable for me that they were all laughing.
0: The old chuckle, the, the old, like, what they would do, that maniacal laugh, and, and they would get, like, real boisterous and throw their heads back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, so Plastic Man's plan now he was going to, to lure Solex, he's going to commit a crime disguised as half ape. Now, am I crazy? Did they never establish that he's actually wearing a disguise or this is another power Plastic Man has (laughs) that we're unaware of?
0: Well, I think it's, I think it's established much later on that he can actually morph to look like other people. (laughs) But, but the thing is like most of the time when he transforms, he transforms with this like he keeps the colors of his costume and the idea is that you could like kind of pull him out in a where's Waldo fashion from wherever
1: he is. Now it just seems to me, if he can turn into other people, he should be able to turn into these everyday objects and not have the colors of plastic. It might help him <laughs> blend in a little better.
0: Totally. And that's, that's why I think that the transformation like to morph into other people is kind of unnecessary because like eventually we have DC comics characters that can morph into other th- like March and Manhunter and stuff I I think his power set really should be limited to objects because eventually it's kind of overpowered.
1: But Solex doesn't buy this disguise for a minute. He knows that Man-Ape yeah. is Plastic Man.
0: Right. I mean <laughs> I mean, but thing is, Solex is still so powerful. He he kind of almost defeats Plastic Man.
1: Now, I'm not going to spoil it till we get there, but if by now if you haven't figured out who Solex is, you're really stupid or you're just not paying attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. These things had a way of giving out the villain pretty easy, but you know, I did appreciate this was one of the few that I think kind of didn't let you just know who the villain is. Most of the time they were pretty obvious. Like I think it was episode two, the meteor man episode. He literally calls plastic man up on a secure channel, tells him where he's going to be. What he's gonna do and his only weakness.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, if you don't announce your weakness, I mean, what's, what's the hero gonna do?
0: Right. I mean, he's gotta have some leverage, some, some way of defeating you.
1: <laughs> so, of course, Solik defeats him and he sets up like a trap, like in the Goldfinger movie where they're on a conveyor belt where a giant solar beam is gonna burn them all alive.
0: It was a lot like the Adam West traps of Batman. <laughs> like, it always seemed to come down to that. Oh, how are we going to (laughs) escape? Next time. Save and bat time, save and bat channel. We'll figure it out.
1: Now, seconds before it's revealed, I said to myself, why the hell isn't Plastic Man just getting out of this? He can stretch and all that. Which the minute I said that in my head, Penny asked the same question. He's like, I'm too weak to use my powers.
0: Right? He's always too weak at the worst times. Like, oh, now you choose to not be able to stretch. (laughs)
1: I mean, I guess it's kind of the trap of these kind of characters. You have to come up with reasons why their powers wouldn't suddenly work.
0: Exactly. I mean, you can't always walk a plane. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, The villains show up begrudgingly to save the Plastic Man, because I'm not sure if they could do that, why they couldn't just team up and attack Solax all at once, but they save the day and make sure Plastic Man, who... Does not get killed, spoiler alert. And now his strength has returned and he can stretch again.
0: Yeah, and I and I hate to bring this up because I'm not trying to like trash this cartoon. It's a great cartoon. But if you think about it for even longer than a nanosecond, those five could have let Solex destroy Plas and, and they would have been able to live phenomenal lives of crime. <laughs>
1: I mean, Solex can't be everywhere. They could go to different places and commit their crime.
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, even if they served Solex, at least they wouldn't have to, like, they wouldn't be locked up or anything. They were just, I don't know, I guess they were all just so glory houndish. Like, Like, they just, they loved the fact that they were great villains, and they didn't want to share that credit with anyone else. So, I guess they they had to safe plastic man in order to make sure that they were all equal on the playing field or something.
1: The whole thing ends up with a, a big confrontation at Solax's headquarters where at one point he's using an energy shield. Plastic man turns into a big hot air balloon so he can float on top of his giant solar powered gun and immobilize the villains and (laughs) Solax. And Solax of course is revealed to be the, he was the guy from the solar the experimental solar plant who wanted to be the greatest criminal in the world such such an ambition,
0: you know <laughs> you have a, you have a good career in solar. I mean, they were way ahead of us. solar satellites what? <laughs> <laughs> Death rays from space? Well, that's pretty advanced i I think that's a promising career, but no. I want to be the greatest supervillain of all time. <laughs> well, when you got death rays from space, that's a natural progression, I guess, of career path. You know.
1: So, Plastic Man saves the day, which uh, ends with a classic, uh, you know, quip that all these cartoons end when the the chief said he she did a good job because uh, he has uh, good qualifications. He turned into a balloon and he's full of hot air. <laughs> The
0: chief was never very nice, <laughs> never. <laughs> and, and I think I think this is the first time, really, that I re- I can remember that she actually said that he did a good job. So so many times before that, she acted like he never even saved the day. Like you you came close, Plastic Man. You came close, but you you didn't do a you you didn't really do it the way you should have, or something
1: like that. And he, uh, he ends it with turning to the camera, you know, the classic, ah, I do my best, you know, <laughs> you're <laughs> expecting the, you know, the wah, wah, want." <laughs> there you have it. Plastic man, the terrible five plus one. And man, this, uh, this just had all the vintage, uh, all the things I remember about not only this cartoon, but just cartoons from that era in general wrapped up into one nice little episode.
0: Definitely. And, you know, and I recommend going back and watching earlier episodes in the series just because it's just, it's a lot of fun. There's one episode that made absolutely no sense to me. (laughs) It was, it, it featured an evil ghost that was cursed by some dude's family that he wronged in his life as a mortal. But, like, the episode is called Ghost Finger, and his name is Ghost Finger. He has absolutely no powers related to that name. (laughs) So I figured that he was always, like, always named Ghostfinger, and he just so happened to eventually become a ghost. (laughs) So, like, I don't know whose bright idea was it at this this child's inception or or birth. It says, like, hey, how about Ghostfinger? How about we name him
1: Ghostfinger? (laughs) It's destiny, I guess
0: It's destiny, and he fulfilled it He fulfilled his destiny And he he used the ghosts of two monsters From the past To attack Plastic Man They tied him to a bridge (laughs) This this is the actual plot (laughs) And he would have actually died Because somehow His plastic powers had been Like the ghosts had zapped the plastic This is one of those moments of where We're like not sure why he doesn't have access to his powers at this moment, but he said like the ghost drained him of his plastic power because that's something I guess ghosts can do, right? If not for the power-restoring ability of his ex-girlfriend, Soup, y- yes, I said that, <laughs> <laughs> he would have died. That episode took some very strange turns, and, but you know, they mostly all did, but that one in particular made me just it blew my mind at how strange this cartoon became at times. In the clam episode to restore Plastic Man's powers, Penny gave him hot sauce that somehow is always in her shoe. <laughs> yeah, it just like it extends like one of, with one of those grabber claw hands things, you know, like and it comes out of the heel of her shoe and they're underwater somehow able to speak with that with being completely like i'm what i want to know is how they can hear each other perfectly underwater but above water the clam sounds like a drowning hampton (laughs) 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 but yeah they were mostly all strange but i i say this i say embrace it for its strangeness because that's what made it special
1: well when you bring that up like the the villain's Especially Disco Mummy and the Clam are, like, my favorite part of this. They're just so ridiculous, you you can't not love them.
0: (laughs) Like, what was up with the weed? How come he couldn't... How come he actually couldn't fight with Plastic Man? He ran? But, like, you could see in the opening shot when he steals the formula in that first episode that he can extend his limbs just like Plastic Man. (laughs) So, like, you would think that's actually a formidable foe. It really is. Like, the weed and Plastic Man should have gone at it, man. They should have had a tussle.
1: I, I would think, but nobody, none of the villains seem to, with the exception of manape I mean manape, Half-Ape, uh, never seem to do anything. Like, he, like, at least was breaking doors down and whatnot, but the rest of them don't do anything.
0: Half-Ape, his story was sad because there was absolutely no reason for him to want revenge of mankind. None. Like if you go back to that episode, I can't I can't even remember the number offhand, but his experiment went horribly wrong. Combining him with half of uh, an ape's body, I guess. But in that process, there's there's guys like he's showing this experiment to all these scientists, and they're they're astonished. At first, they didn't want him to do it, but then after the fact, they were just they were just terrified for him. They didn't run, they didn't scream, they didn't throw things at him and curse him. They said. We want to help you. We want to help you get better. So, like, everyone was there trying to aid him. And then he runs off to the jungle to live in seclusion. He actually went mad. <laughs> he, he went mad. He wants revenge on all of humanity. But humanity did nothing to him. He did it to himself. <laughs> I I mean, that story was fascinating. <laughs>
1: When you come back to the show, we're gonna we're gonna have to do the clams episode because I really want to spend an entire episode discussing the clams.
0: Oh man, the things I could say about the clams episode. I mean, it was a fun it was a fun ride.
1: <laughs> so on that note, we're gonna go to our ranking system. We're going to the spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, we rank what we just saw, zero spectros being garbage, four spectros being absolute perfection. Cade, how are you going to rank Plastic Man, The Terrible Five, plus one?
0: In terms of the series, I'd say it was probably a three.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go three as well, just because I enjoyed it immensely, but I I can't honestly look at it objectively and say, everybody's going to love this cartoon (laughs) if they watch it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like I said before You gotta embrace it for what it was If you go into it wanting it to be something familiar Like, like uh, all the other cartoons uh, from the 80s, 90s or You want it to be on par with that quality Then you're looking at the wrong show If you want it to be on par with the quality of the 2000s You're looking at the wrong show But don't look at it like it has to be as good as all the other shows that you watch. Look at it for what it was. It was at a time when they were competing with another block of action cartoons, a comedic take on the world of superheroes. And it it pulled off exactly what it set out to do. So I think it's awesome for that reason. It's very cheesy, but that's why it's so good. <laughs> Things can be ironically so cheesy that they're good again. And that's what You know, Jiggy and I talk about on our show all the time. We love the cheese. We find quality cheese and we highlight that.
1: So what did you all think out there? Did you like Plastic Man as much as we did? Would you like it less? I'd love to hear from you. So if you go to my social media and let me know what you thought, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro, Facebook, Matt Spectro through the multiverse, and you can find me even on Hive, if you're so inclined, I'm Matt Spectro, all lowercase letters. Well, Cade, I want to thank you for joining us. I'm glad you uh, we finally managed to make this happen.
0: No, thank you again for having me, Matt. Your, your show's really neat, and I'm glad that I could be a part of it.
1: So this is the part of the show, which I call the uh, free plug time. It's when I hand the show completely over to my guests, and they can plug anything and anything they like to do. So the floor is yours, Cade. Plug away.
0: Right on. You can find me and Jiggy on everything as Cartoon Commotion, and All of that can be found over on CartoonCommotion.com. That's one word, and there are two M's, but it's worth it, homies. CartoonCommotion.com. In previous episodes, we've explored what real means in the world of the real Ghostbusters cartoon, how Gem and the Holograms was actually about selfishness, and how X-Men the animated series makes more sense now that we're grown up. And let me tell you, there's a lot more to that cartoon than you remember. Stuff that we haven't even fully covered yet. Eventually, we will, and we hope that you'll be there for those episodes, homie. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, but we have two episodes a month with a live after show on YouTube and Facebook. Bonus episodes do happen also, just so you know. Again, everything we do can be found at cartooncommotion.com, and I'm so totally stoked to hang out with you all and chat about the tunes of the 80s and 90s we have so much content rolling out all the time so keep it locked homies thank you so much for having me matt this has been awesome
1: it's been a pleasure and i hope you'll uh, come back for uh, another episode sometime
0: will be excellent
1: and uh, i want to thank anyone who out there listening if you could uh, subscribe to my podcast i appreciate it give it a like anything that helps me uh, get the word out i really appreciate it and follow me on social media uh, that's going to about do it this week. I want to thank you all for joining us. And uh, join us again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectrum through the Multiverse, everyone.